Jesus Christ, we worship you, the one true living God. We lift up and glorify your name. It is higher than any other. We worship you tonight. We open our heart, soul, mind, and spirit unto you, Father. We praise you. We exalt you. We lift up your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you for the revelation and the power of the name of Jesus. We declare your name and the authority of it be established here tonight. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah. We bless and exalt you, Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you would be magnified. I pray that you would be glorified. Jesus, your will in this gathering together tonight, the will and the work of your spirit and word according to your desire. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let your name be praised. Let your name be praised. We thank you and we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Great to be together in the house of the Lord with you tonight. We're glad that you're here. It's good to have Brother Johnstone with us all the way from Union Gap. So, amen. And uh, he's going to come tonight and uh, open the word. Would you open your spirit and hear what the Lord would say to us? Amen, Brother Johnstone. God bless you. Come. Thank you, Brother Hart. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, the most blessed words in Pentecost, by the way. <laughs> you may be seated. It's good to be here tonight. I, uh, I love the work of the Lord. God does some awesome and amazing things. But I've got to give way to it. I have to allow it in my life the working of his ministry and into my spirit. If, if I don't, then I, I find myself very frustrated in my walk with God. Living for God is surrendering. There is a surrendering up, ongoing surrendering. And people ask sometimes, why do you, if you're new to a Pentecostal church, but why, why do you lift your hands all the time? Well, there's an ongoing surrendering of my will to his will. And we buffet against that sometimes. And we, 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 we wonder, God, do you really know where I'm at? Do you know where I'm going through? I'm here to tell you, he knows exactly where you're at. He knows your middle name. He knows what you're going through. He knows everything that you need. And, and if you could learn to trust God, God will take you places you never dreamed you could go because of, of the relationship you will have with him. This is nothing about religion. This is everything about a very personal relationship with the Almighty God. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, but for me, I'm here to tell you, I, I've been serving the Lord a little over 40 years, and I'm still in awe tonight that the Lord chose me. 
I'm still in awe that, that God saw something in me at the age of 24 that I couldn't see in myself. I didn't know how to read and write at the age of 24. I was raised in violence, a broken home, and everything that, that would be just contrary to what you think God would use and someone that God would call and someone that God could take some do just a little bit with him. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God can do anything if you give him the chance. God already has your life mapped out. He's simply waiting on me to yield and say, okay, God, I'm ready to take the next step. Uh, and, and it may be in prayer. It may be in the reading and studying of the word of God. It, it may be in Sunday school. It may be in ushering. But somewhere ministry is going to start developing in me. But I have to say, yes, I'll step forward. Yes, Lord, I, it'll be new. I, I'll feel a little uncomfortable at first. I'm not real sure how this is going to go. But I'm here to yield myself to you, Lord. If we could yield to God tonight, I think he's going to help us if we would just give him that opportunity. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I just want to say thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here with all of you tonight. And um, just a deep love and appreciation uh, for the ministry here. Uh, Bishop Schoonover and his wife and, and Elder Hart and his wife and family. Um, about 12 years ago, we came into this city not knowing anybody, the city of Yakima, and started church. And um, the help of these brethren to get me where I'm at. Uh, I remember Brother Luis Rodriguez helping knock a lot of doors, man. <laughs> Bishop Schoonover used to give me a crew once a month, help me knock doors and go through the community and invite people. Remember the bullhorn days? <laughs> yeah, we, we had a lot. We tried that in the mall parking lot, but we weren't there very long, were we? Hey, <laughs> I, I love living for God. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, but I'm enjoying the journey. Come on. I don't, my, my philosophy or my understanding for my personal walk with God is this. I don't have to come to church. I get to. I believe attitude is so much in my walk with God. See, I don't have to get up in the morning to pray. I get to get up in the morning and pray. I don't have to read the word. I get to. I'm, God's given me that privilege of getting into the word. Talk to me today. Help me with what I'm struggling with and where I'm going. You know, and you hear people, oh, do you got to go to church? You want to go to jail? Want to go to the hospital? I don't care how good they are. I don't want to go. I want to go to the house of the Lord because there's an attitude and a spirit that I want to have that reflects his goodness, his grace, and his mercy in my life. So we realize that, that so much of living for God is my attitude. I, I had 20 years of jail ministry uh, where I came from, and I'll never forget it because they're about two foot tall uh, white walls uh, in the place I taught in which was just the lunchroom area but across it in two foot letters said attitude is everything once you're born again your attitude toward serving God's going to be major I get to I get to I don't have to you know because people say do you got to do that do they make oh no 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 I get to when God found me lost and a long ways from God I get to I wasn't raised in church. I get to. So, again, I, I just pray that we, we understand that. Okay, 1 Corinthians 7, I want to read verse 20 through 24. 
Tonight, we'll take some time in this and try to lay a little bit of a foundation. I'm going to do a lot of, of uh, reading from Bible Dictionary tonight for a little bit um, to try to help us wrap our mind around your calling. Everybody say your calling. My calling. What, what's my calling? Don't jump ahead of me, okay? Because <laughs> I'm really not talking about the call to preach tonight. Not that we couldn't get there, not that we couldn't go there, but that's not really where I'm going to start at. If we end up there, great. But, but there's some things that has to happen before. I, I can't just come church, go straight into ministry. There's some other things the Lord's wanting to do in my life that is my calling, that God's calling me to and helping me with. Okay, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he is called. Everybody here tonight, you're called. Period. God is calling you. Well, well, so-and-so witnessed to me. Great. Awesome. But they did that because God was already calling you. God was already drawing you. One of the definitions of the word calling is summonsing. God said, I got to send somebody over here because this grandma been praying like you would not believe that this young boy would be saved. And so God said, I'm going to summons him to follow me. I'm going to summons him to, to, to come in through the new birth experience. And so there's a summonsing that is taking place in your life, in my life. And God said, this is your calling. Okay. But I want to walk in this calling. I want to yield to this calling. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant. Everybody say being a servant. Let's say it again. Being a servant. Had a young man that was at the missions downtown on first. They have a year-long Bible program there. If you get in it, you'll have housing and everything to do with it. About second, third week, i never forget it. He come in Sunday morning just madder than a hornet. I can't believe it. They got me washing dishes, and, and they got me doing this. And I started jumping up and down. I said, praise God, praise God. And he stopped and he looked at me. He said, what are you doing? I said, let the greatest among you be the servant of all. Greatness comes through serving because that's my calling. See, we don't usually tie those two together, but Paul is. When he's dealing with the church in Corinth, uh, there's like 644 times he talks about my calling. That's a lot of talking about my calling, isn't it? That that he's interested in me walking with him and having that fellowship. For he that has called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. You want freedom? Start serving. Because when I try to live for God on my terms, it doesn't work. And I don't feel the freedom and the liberty in my walk with God that God intends me to have. Because I am trying to do it myself. Well, I, I, I think we should do this. Did you pray about it? Well, no, but. I remember Albert Dillon told me one time, he said, if God is in it, he'll pay for it. If not, you will. There's a lot of truth in that. See, I'm trying to do something and get God go along with me. 
Versus we come to and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What plan do you have for my life? Where do I start letting that develop? Where do I connect? Where can I serve? Okay? So we begin to realize that, okay, being free is Christ's servant. So I want to be his servant. We understand that. You're bought with a price. Be ye not the servant of men. God has bought you with a price through that precious blood at Calvary. Jesus died for you and I. I deserve to die. I am the one that sinned. I am the one that committed the crimes. I'm the one that drank the alcohol. I'm the one that was immoral. I'm the one that did everything wrong. But he said, whoa. He said, you can't change your life on your own. It would take the blood of Jesus applied to my life. See, when he died for sin, I learned how to die to sin. Because of the calling. Because he called me to serve him. But I can't serve him if I'm still living in sin. If I'm still partaking of the worldly things and doing those things that I know that don't please God. See, I can't fulfill my calling. He's calling. He's summonsing. He's asking. But if I'm trying to do it on my own, he's just got to step back and say, well, get a few more knots on your head. Run into that brick wall a couple more times and I'll, I'll come and talk to you again later. See, because you're not going to change God's mind about your calling. you got to understand, God knew your name in your mother's womb. That's who gave your mother that name. He already had your summonsing and your calling in mind. God gave you giftings before your birth even took place. God said, this is what I'm going to gift you in. This is how you're going to work in the kingdom. This is going to be your gifting. And everybody's different. Uh, All of our giftings are different. You would not want me to play the piano tonight. You would not want me to lead worship. They laugh about this, but they took the tambourine away from me when I pastored in Oregon. They said, man, you're messing the piano player up. You speed up and you slow down. And I come to realize that's not my calling. But thank God, he's calling people that will play music, that will lead in worship, that will teach Sunday school, that will do small groups, that will go do jail ministry, that will do all these different ministries. Because why? That's my calling. You know why I'm happy tonight? Because I understand my calling. I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. I'm not working on what God didn't call me to do. I'm trying to get better at what God called me to do. If you want a life of frustration, just try to do what God didn't call you to do. I don't care how much you would like it. If it's not what God called you to do, you're going to find yourself unhappy. So we've got to realize that there's a place that I can walk with God in this calling, in this summonsing. You, you have got to come to a place in your walk with God where you start asking God, what is my gifting? What is my calling? God, what, what have you called me to do? What, what, where can I serve? Because there's no greater joy than being able to serve. Brother White shared a story with him. He pastored in California. A young man came to him and said, Pastor, I feel a call of God on my life. And, and uh, could I talk to you? And Brother White said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll meet at 10 o'clock Sunday morning at the church. So, of course, Pastor White was there. A young man drove up in his car, and they got out, and they walked into the church together. 
And they sit down. Brother White looked at this young man. He said, young man, is there anything wrong with your eyes? Oh, no, no, I, I can see just great. He said, why did you walk past that paper laying on the parking lot and you didn't pick it up? See, he was looking for a servant. But see, the young man didn't understand servanthood. Wherever you see a need, you fulfill it. If you walk in the bathroom here, for an example, and some young boy or girl made a mess ahead of you, don't walk in there, leave that mess for some visitor to see Sunday morning. But if you're going to be great, you're going to be a servant, and you're going to clean up that thing and make sure that when the visitor comes through, it looks good, it's clean, everything is fresh. Am I making any sense? I'm trying to help us understand. If I want greatness, I've worked with people, they want the pulpit. Give me the pulpit! Over my dead body. Because there's no servanthood. You just want up here because you think this is where the limelight's at. You think that you get all the accolades if you're in the pulpit. You think this is where the money rolls so deep you can't even count it all. And it's all further from the truth. Correct me if I'm wrong, Elder, but it's about 10% of what we do is the ministry in the pulpit. The rest of the time, you're sitting beside a family losing a loved one. And you're trying to comfort and console them, and you're doing a funeral. You're sitting at another. I, I sit across from a young man two weeks ago, tried to commit suicide. I sit there ministering to him, serving him, serving him. Young man, God's got something for your life. Don't, you don't got to go down this road. That's not the answer. That's not a quick way out. That, that, that's that's going to be more misery than you ever bargained for. And, and again, you're ministering. I'm talking about when you're serving others. And the servant, why? It's the calling. This is what God called me to do. I remember one time a man told me, he, guy in the denominal world, thank you, brother, was talking about he, he, uh, he quit pastoring because there wasn't enough money in it. There wasn't a calling then. Because the calling isn't about money. It's about people. Loving people, ministering to people, serving people any way you can. Getting a lawnmower because an elderly couple, health isn't very good, but I'm going to mow their lawn for the name of Jesus. Come on. I'm learning. Where, where can I serve? Where can I get plugged in? I remember a, a young preacher preaching one of our youth camps said uh, he got some of his best anointing mowing the lawns. He, he'd go down the line mowing the lawns, ministering and helping out. See, you got to understand serving is what God called you and I to do. Servanthood, servanthood. The word called means to summon, to participate. It means worship. We're called, number one, to worship. Number two, an election. This deals with being converted, to be born again. So my first calling is to salvation, to be redeemed. That means for God to buy me back, to purchase me, which is what he did through his shed blood. It is interesting in one of the dictionaries that I found that, that I, I just found it interesting how that they said, and the need of water baptism. 
See, because in the calling and the summonsing, not only do I need to repent of my sins, but I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away my sins so that I get an answer of a clear conscience toward God because some of the sin I've committed has weighed me down pretty heavy. But God said, I can take care of that. If you yield to the summons, to the calling, I can wash that away. And then I want to fill you with a baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I want to empower you to do the ministry that I'm calling you to. So God doesn't ask me to do something I can't do. God is asking me to do something I can do. God never sets you and I up to fail. Never, never, never. When God asks you to do something, he has total confidence you could handle it or he'd never ask you. Maybe we just need to get a little more confidence in God. God, you're seeing something in me I can't quite see. But if you say I can do it, then I'm going to put this best foot forward. And I'm going to start working on what you've called me to do. Where i I, I got to find that place where I plug in and serve. I honestly believe that if you can't, if you're unwilling to come to a place of servanthood, six months from now we won't see you anymore. I remember I had a young couple in the church in Oregon. And then I went to him and... And we taught them home Bible study and stuff. And I said, I'd really like you to get involved in our ushering team. Could you help me out? He said, oh, no, no, no. No, I don't. No. no. Wasn't too many more. Months later, we never saw him anymore. See, God intended you to get connected. God intended you to be involved in ministry. Ever say ministry? When you look up the word ministry, it means servant. I want to go in the ministry. Good, good, good. That's why we're here tonight. <laughs> but see, I jump immediately to the pulpit. When God said, whoa, 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 we got some miles to travel before we can get there. I, I want you to teach Sunday school. But these kids are just driving me crazy. That's right. But you get in there and get to work. You know. When we came to the Lord in a small city, 385 people. The town was 385 people. The church started in a little strip mall, which was like a 25 by 20 building. We built our own pews. All it had was a, a sanctuary and a bathroom. My pastor came to me and handed me a Sunday school book, and he said, I want you to teach Sunday school. I said, okay, but where? He said, in the summer, you're going to teach around the corner where the dumpster is because they got a little fenced area out there. In the summer, you'll teach there. In the winter, you'll teach in the Dodge van that was our van for running around picking people up for church. He said, in the winter, this is where we're going to teach. See, the good thing is I didn't know any different. I just jumped in that van. We taught Sunday school. I was teaching kids around the corner. See, when you got the calling, when the summons comes, you're not worried about, well, I need a really nice classroom. Really? That Dodge van worked really good. See, we gotta we gotta change our concept sometimes of, of, of the calling of God in the ministry and, and the work that God is calling us to. You know, God's gotta teach us to appreciate the things of God. If the things of God to come too quickly sometimes I don't really appreciate where he's brought me from and where he's taking me down the road if there isn't some bumps in the road if there isn't some rough spots in the road where I got to call on his name and say God you got to help me because I don't know what to do next 
all a part of the process and, the, and God working in my life. Can we go to 1 Peter 2.9? Again, that I have to be born again. Now, now, let me change that. I get to be born again. There's another option down below where the fire's really hot. I get to be. I like what Acts twenty two sixteen. Why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. What are you waiting on? I got a gentleman. I've been working on him for months. I said, I know you're thinking this over, but really, <laughs> I want to make sure. Well, I don't mind making sure, but how many months is it going to take? But you're a chosen generation. I want you to catch that. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Can I ask you a question? Do you, do you look at yourself that way? See, most of us struggle with self-esteem. We feel like I'm not worthy. I don't really count. And I don't have anything to offer. How come I can't believe the scripture? How come I can't see myself through his eyes? And I only see myself through my failures. But folks, when you went down in the waters of baptism, he washed all that away. Come on, I come up out of that water in newness of life. I am now a son of God. We can't wrap our mind around that sometimes. I am a son of God. That guy thinks, see, look at him, he's just cocky. He's just boastful. No, he understands who he is in the kingdom work. I was a nobody headed nowhere, but God stepped into my life and he put me in the royal family. He said, son, come on. I got a ministry for you. And this is what I want you to accomplish. See, somewhere you got to believe that, that, that God can do anything. And I know if I asked you, you would say yes. But somewhere you got to get that into your spirit. I want to see the miracles and the signs and the wonder. I want to see the supernatural. Because that's what God said. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Got any believers in the house tonight? Come on. God didn't say I would chase signs and wonder. He said they would just simply follow. I'd be teaching a small group, Brother Lewis. And somebody would be sick. And I'd lay hands on them and God would touch them. Somebody may come in bound by drugs and alcohol. Folks, it's a miracle when you lay hands on somebody and God takes urge, craving, and desire out of their spirit that quick. Talk about miracles. Look where some of us have come from. If we could understand what God's really done in my life and he's not done yet. Come on, he's not done yet. All the chapters haven't been written yet. Uh, all the works of God that he's got for you have, haven't been unfolded yet. Because, but they will. But you've got to let it happen. Okay, a peculiar people. Now catch this. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called you out of darkness. I was walking in darkness. I was walking in sin. But God said, time's up. It's time to walk with me. I sometimes wondered, being raised in, a, in an abusive home and stuff, how come somebody didn't come to me before the age of 24? Why didn't somebody witness to me? Why didn't somebody try to work with me? Why didn't, I guess the timing wasn't there. Or the right person wasn't there. 
But when the right person came along, I came to the place, I'm going to yield to this. I'm going to allow the work of God to happen in my life. And, and, and like all of us, the, we give our life to Jesus Christ and begin to serve him. We, we don't know what it's all about. Come on, you can't see the end from the beginning, but God can. And I got to walk by faith if I want that to happen. So he's trying to call us. He's working in our life. Can I go to Acts 3.19? We're just still dealing with being born again here. We still may not even get out of the dictionary tonight. But that's okay. Because I want you to understand calling. I want you to see how this calling works in your life. Do you realize that everybody in this room, you have value and worth? Do you believe you're important? You need to be because you are. You're important to God. You're important to this congregation. You're important to the ministry. Oh, I just show up and I don't really count. Yes, you do. You got to change your thinking somewhere. I've been called by God. I am a son or daughter of the most high God. To think that he will call me. Put me in the ministry. Repent ye therefore. And be converted. Everybody say be converted. See when the calling comes. And the summonsing comes. There's a conversion. That's going to take place in my life. Have any of you ever seen like an old school bus. And somebody converted it into a motor home. I've never seen one look real good. but <laughs> Especially if you match them against the new motor homes today. But they converted it. And God said, this is how I find you, but I'm going to convert you to where you look like the image of God in how you talk, how you walk, how you dress, how you live. There's got to come. It's a conversion. It may not happen overnight, but it has to happen. Has to happen. So we're going to be converted. I'll be careful here. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I want you to catch something here. Old things are passed away. I could really get myself in trouble, but this just bear with me. I'll be gone in 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> I've done 20 years of jail ministry. The Lord has allowed me to build two churches out of drug addicts and alcoholics. I'm just preferencing this statement because I'm not trying to be offensive tonight. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Folks, I'm not an alcoholic. That's what I was. It's what I was. Thank God, Brother Hart, I don't got to get up every morning and look in the mirror and say, John Stone, you're a drunk. John Stone, you're a son of God. God raised you up. God puts you in places that you never dreamed you could be. See, if I'm converted, if I'm truly converted, God has done a miracle in my life by this conversion and this change that is taking place in my life. So he can take me in fulfilling the calling, the ministry, the servanthood of what he's got for my life. That's what I was. That's not what I am today. I understand where he brought me from. I'm not going to pick up alcohol. I, don't, I have people say, you really preach against drinking? Yep. Because an alcoholic can't take a drink without falling clear back into it. 
That's what I was. God's delivered me from it, but I'm not going to pick it back up. Paul said, I'm not going to do anything where my brother is made to be weak, stumble, or offended. So if eating meat offends him, I'm not going to eat. If drinking wine offends him, I'm not going to do it. So I made up my mind, I'm not going to do anything that I could help consciously that would cause somebody else to stumble in their walk with God. Because there's some things I just simply stay away from. Where I came from, there was a tavern. I don't care how small your city is, there'll be a tavern. And people would come to me and say, man, have you tried the fried chicken down at the Long Branch Tavern? No, I have not. Man, you need to. It's really good. Okay, but um, I probably won't. And this one guy kind of kept riding me. And and I said, look, bub, I am not going to ever know what that chicken tastes like. Because I'm not going in that establishment. And I asked him the question. I said, let me ask you this question. If you watch me about 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, coming out of the Long Branch Tavern with a bucket of chicken, what's the first thought in your mind? Hypocrite! I said, that's why I don't go in. See, I'm not going to do, so somebody's going to drive by. I knew it! I knew that preacher was lying! I knew it! See, my calling, my calling separates me. Second Peter, first Peter two, nine, we're a peculiar people. No, I don't do what everybody else does because God's called me to separate myself from things that would bring harm to someone else or, or weaken their faith or cause them to stumble somewhere. So we realize this is why this is a personal relationship with God. When, when Paul said in Philippians said, and work out your own salvation with all fear and trust, it doesn't mean you get to choose your way. He's talking about personal convictions, uh, maybe sin that you come out of that somebody else may not have ever experienced. You got to work through that. You got to surrender that to God. You got to make commitments to your sin. God, with your help, I'll never go back. I'll never pick it up. I'll never experience it anymore because for me, Lord, I can't be around it. See what I'm saying? You know what we love to do? Well, so-and-so does that. Well, you're not so-and-so. They've never experienced, they've never been bound like you've been bound. They've never been demonic. But he has. Had a young lady bring her boyfriend to church in Union Gap, been two, three years ago. She ended up being demonic, flopping on the floor and everything else. I looked at that young man. I said, this is a little strange, ain't it? He said, yeah. But he came back. We baptized him and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Come on, you got to stay away from something. Those Ouija boards and those seances and all that goofy stuff out there and tarot cards and stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a peculiar person. I don't touch that because that has nothing to do with my calling. You handle this how you want. I've had people say, have you ever studied the Jehovah Witness? No. And I could name a bunch of other groups and Islam and all that. I say, no, I spend all my time in truth. I'm just here to t- study truth. What's the Bible say? How's the Bible want me to live? What's the Bible got for me? I don't want to learn false doctrine. I'm not interested in filling my brain with a bunch of stuff that I know that's not true. I'm more interested in, I'm going to share the truth with you. I remember a guy that was Muslim and he, 
I was working with him in my jail ministry. Uh, the only verse I would quote was Acts 4.12, over and over and over and over. It's not Allah, it's Jesus. So I didn't want to know about Allah. I wasn't interested because I knew Allah couldn't help me. Allah couldn't save me. Allah couldn't deliver me. But Jesus did. He did a mighty work in my life. So I'm not interested in all those things. Because my calling is to know him. Not about him, but know him. Maybe we should get on the Seahawks for a minute. You can talk to certain people that know the, you know, the names of these people, the statistics on these people, the stats on these people, their, what they make a year and everything else. But I'm here to tell you, you still don't know them. You may know about them, but you've never met them. You've never sat down and had a conversation. Do you realize that how many people try to live for God and they've never met him yet? They just got a lot of information uh, about the things of God, but never had a personal relationship with him. I'm telling you, somebody, God's calling somebody tonight. There's a calling on your life to serve him. There's a calling on your life into more ministry than what you're experiencing right now. But you got to somewhere, you got to yield to this calling tonight and say, God, uh, if this is what you want for my life, I'm surrendering tonight, God. I'm giving in to what you're asking me to. God, I, I struggled with this. You realize I'm a second witness tonight? God's already dealt with you. I'm just here to help you understand because you're saying in your spirit, I don't know about that. That could be my flesh. That could just be me. God said, well, I tell you what, I'll send a preacher and he'll confirm it for you. I'm the second witness. I know my role. I know what I'm doing here tonight. This ain't the first time that you've ever heard this because God has spoke to you in the nighttime. You've got up. You've prayed about it. You've opened your Bible. You've seen it in it. But you're saying, oh, God, I don't know. Again, God will help you. I remember when I was one to the Lord and went through the ministry and licensed and preaching and I'll never forget it when my pastor came to me, Bishop. He said, I'm going to be leaving, and I want to hand this over to you. You know the first thoughts that came to my mind? How could I ever take this any further? He won me. He discipled me. He knows more than I do. So I'm going, I don't know about this. See, but when God calls you, he also enables you to fulfill what he called you to do. See, so it can't be just, well, no, if God called you, that's where he wants you. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the insight. He'll give you the direction. Am I making any sense? I'm trying to help somebody realize because we struggle with some of these things sometimes. But God said, no, I can do this in your life. So many times in the calling of God in our life, the reason God calls you is because you're willing to be humble. You're not prideful. You're not arrogant. You're not rude. Look at me and, and, and on and on. You know, you're thinking, man, how can I ever do that? And God said, that's the spirit I'm looking for. Because you're going to give me the credit when it gets done. You're going to worship me and how this is going to get done. Instead of you saying, look what I did. Look what the Lord has done. God allowed me to be a small piece in the kingdom work. And that he could win this family, deal with this ministry, teach these children. Any Sunday school teachers here tonight? I want to see your hands. 
God bless you. God bless you. Because you're behind the scenes. You're behind the scenes. But your role is so important. Your role is so important. They're so tender. They're like sponges. And and they want to learn. And they want to know. And God has put you in that calling. That special calling. I want you to instill the word in them. I want you to get the word in them. Sometimes the reward that comes back is, is when people get a hold of this truth and won't turn loose of it. Because you put something into their spirit and you invest it into their lives. I'm talking about a calling. You don't teach Sunday school because you hate kids. And your favorite verse is, and thou shall not kill. But you got a burden. That burden's not you. That's him flowing through you that said, this is your calling. I want you to understand your calling. Because I know there's not too many accolades sometimes. And, and you're kind of behind the scenes. And this kid spills everything he touches. You, in fact, you try to keep the cups away from him. Because you know if he gets that cup, it's going over. He's disruptive. Sometimes you even pray he won't make it this Sunday. (laughs) But then the burden kicks in. Gentleman shared with me last night in a previous church that he had attended a denominal church. Young lady came in, which was an alcoholic, had some drug problems, had three little children that were a little bit out of control. And the pastor went to them and said, you need to leave. No calling, no burden. Folks, I remember a gentleman came in with five kids, all boys. His wife left him, ran off with another man. He came to our church. The two youngest were, I think, about four-year-old twin boys. And, folks, he never knew the word discipline. He couldn't even spell it. I remember preaching while they're playing tag. In the aisles. (laughs) But I went to him after church on that first Sunday I said would you let us work with you and pretty soon we'll have those boys sit and would you, would you just work with me please come back please come back and he did and we got them boys settled in Come on. Yeah, it's disruptive. Yeah, there's a little bit of work involved in it. But when you see those boys going down in the waters of baptism because they understand their need and you pray them through the Holy Ghost, whether in a Sunday school class or in an altar here somewhere, that's thank God I took the time. Thank God I was patient with them and invested in them. Folks, if living for God was easy, you couldn't get everybody in this building tonight. But a calling, but a calling, you need some stamina. And a calling, you need some grit. Come on, in some calling, you just can't give up and throw in the towel. The first time things get a little rough, you have to come to the realization, I'm in this for the long haul. And I want God to develop me. I want to be the best I can possibly be at whatever my ministry is. Calling on the name of Jesus. Next definition. His... Here calling, 
is the notion that God's people bear his name in baptism and take on new life and new shape, okay, because you now belong to him. Destiny means the mount at which they were called points ahead to the final goal which they are called. Points ahead. Come on, the apostle Paul, when, when, when God, uh, in Acts chapter 9, and the light shone down and struck him to the ground, he was blind for three days. He was led by hand into the city. Folks, that wasn't the end of the story. That was the beginning. God said, we got to get you born again, and then we're going to work on your destiny, where you're going to head, the churches you're going to plant, the kingdom of God that's going to grow out of it. A lot of things had to happen in Paul's life, didn't it? To fulfill that. But again, you have a destiny tonight because of the calling. Will you finish weak or will you finish strong? At the end of this journey, what's your, what's, where's your mind at on that? Is it, God, I want to finish strong? I want to be involved in ministry to the day they bury me? God, I don't want to be involved in touching lives until I can't no more. Come on. See, when you understand, I'm in this for the long haul. There's no such thing as retirement from Christians. Well, I'm 65. It's over. No, you're just going to transition into another ministry. Grandkids, do you want them to know the Lord? Come on, there's things that you got to realize that ministry never stops. Opportunity to ministry never stops. Serving never stops. And, and when I can get that into my spirit, I, I, I would just, I would cherish it. God, I get to serve. I get to help in this capacity. I sit on a committee in the district. And when we go to those functions, he told me, you're the only one that ever volunteers to do anything of the whole board. I think I understand serving. We're putting this on and you, I'm here to help you. So you tell me what do you need done? Check the bathroom, see if there's any toilet paper, okay? I'll be back in a minute. Oh, wait, you're an ordained preacher. You can't do it. No, no, I'm a servant. When we do funerals and we feed people afterwards and we're going to do one Sunday, we're going to feed people. Folks, I'm going to be serving coffee. I'm going to be serving punch. I'm going to be asking, would you like a little more to drink? Could you want me to get some dessert for you? Would you like me to get you some cake? Why? I'm a servant. Oh, but you're the bishop. You're the elder. You're the... No, no, I'm a servant. I'll do the funeral. I'll preach the funeral. But when the funeral's over, I'm putting on these other servant clothes that say, how can I serve you? How can I help you through this crisis? You've just lost a loved one. And, and it hurts and there's a void. And then how can I ease the pain a little bit? Can I get you a cup of coffee? Y'all think I'm crazy? I'm going to talk about ministry. I want to go in the ministry. I'm trying to help you. Trying to help you understand ministry. Again, if I want to be great, I got to learn how to serve. If I can't learn how to serve and, and I don't want to serve, greatness will never come your way. Because you may think you're too good for that task. See, that's why God humbles us sometimes. And if I have that attitude or spirit, he's going to do something in my life to get that out of my spirit. 
But why couldn't I just voluntarily say, God, I don't want to have that spirit. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Do I need to pick up the papers in the parking lot? Do I need to check the bathrooms? I have a young man that comes in every Sunday morning. He checks all the bathrooms, makes sure toilet paper is there, hand soap is there, everything is there. He sets the signs out on the road. You can count on him. He just like clockwork. He lines all the chairs up. He puts the tithing envelopes in in the pockets. He just wants to serve, folks. Tremendous help. Tremendous blessing to me. Because if he wasn't doing it, that means I would be. And I have. On the weeks he's not there. In fact, he was not in church last Sunday sick. And I told him, we were talking and having a meeting. I said, I'm going to have to stop here for a minute because i got to go check the bathrooms, make sure the signs are out. Let's make sure. Uh, I'm kind of, I don't know what you call it, but I've studied some church growth. The number two reason that visitors don't come back is dirty bathrooms. So I'm very cautious of bathrooms. I want it clean. When we did that, we spent some extra money in the bathrooms. Folks, I'm not raised that way. They never had napkins when I grew up. I'm here to tell you, I'm not that, I was not raised in a family where, you know, everything was proper. But see, in ministry, I want to grow. Just because I didn't have this growing up doesn't mean I can't develop into something more, more uh, uh, acceptable, more uh, professional as far as that visitor comes through that door and, and things are clean. I've been told that people... Uh, will not go back to certain steakhouses or very, very nice restaurants if they go in the bathrooms and the bathrooms are dirty. I'm not going to try to gross you out, but I can pull the hair out and just keep going. I can push stuff aside and be, ah! I was raised in the poorhouse. Give me that thing. If it wasn't for powdered eggs and powdered milk and, and rice and blocks of cheese, man, we'd have starved. You can be picky all you want. <laughs> but if I was going to serve you, I'd do my best to make sure there was no hair, no bugs or anything like that on your plate of food. Because, see, I've come to understand it may not bother me, but it may really bother you. And I want you to come back to church. I want you to have a good experience in your walk with God. So I will have to make some changes in my life. Just because I didn't have it growing up doesn't mean I can't give it to you. See, this summons and these calling is about making change. It's not me staying who I am and keeping my own idea. It's me surrendering and saying, God, what do you got for my life? What do I need to learn? How can I be more effective at winning souls? How, how can I uh, be more effective in my preaching and my teaching and teaching Bible studies? More effective. More effective. God wanting us to move forward. Calling. I'm, just, I'm still in the dictionary yet, folks. We haven't even got to the rest of it. Holiness, the fact of God's call and destiny involves has moral consequences. Now, the believer is called to be holy. Holiness means separation from the world. If you're going to be holy, there's some things you're going to, that God's going to convict you. 
and you're going to walk away from. Be holy, for I am holy. So I understand that as I'm growing in my walk with God, there'll be things that God will speak to me about, and I'm going to have to separate myself. I'm going to have to... Let me explain something. I'm not better than anybody else, but I am better off if I stay away from certain things. So how I explain it to people... Because they say, oh, you think you're better than everybody? No, no, no. I'm better off if I'm not around that. I'm better off if I don't see that. I'm better off if I'm not around all that taking place. Because I know me. And God's called me to separate myself from that. So I don't want to go back around it. So I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just better off if I stay away from it. That's how I explain it to people. It's not I'm better than you, and I think I'm better. No, 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 no. you got to understand, my, my calling, I can't go there. Do you realize that everything God does in your life is for your best interest? Come on. When God asks you to separate yourself from something, do you realize that, that the separation is because that thing could be an idol in your life? Come on, an idol is anything that could get ahead of the kingdom of God or your relationship with God. Folks, I had a family come to me, lived out in the country. They said, Pastor, what do you think about buying a horse? I said, I don't care. You want to buy a horse, buy a horse. Buy two or three of them, I don't care. But that family ended up backsliding. Fell away from God because when they bought the horses, they kind of thought the only day they could ride them was Sunday. So the horses became an idol in their life, and that idol caused them to fall and miss out with God. And they went from living in a nice home to living in a car with their two girls. Took me a year and a half to win them back to God. Don't let idols come up in your life. Man, we could get on gaming and everything right now. <laughs> we could. I, I know people spend days. Like 24 hours a day gaming. When are you going to pray? When are you reading? When are you, come on, where, where's your relationship with God at? So we have to realize that could be an idol in my life. That could be the thing that could take me down. I don't want to be taken down. I want him to raise me up. Come on, I want him to lift me up. I want him to take me into the places that he's got for my life. So we understand that God, again, is trying to work something in my life. Vocation, appointment to ministry. Paul makes a statement. Can we go to Romans 1 and 1 and look at that one? I, I want you to catch something here. Paul wrote, most people feel, wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Notice what he, when he started out, I am Paul, a tremendous writer. I have straightened so many churches out, it's pathetic. But, you know, that is my calling. Paul, a servant. How did he get to greatness? He learned how to serve first. Paul, a servant. Brother Johnstone, a servant. Put your name in there. 
a servant. Because we're dealing here with the vocation, the calling that may take me into that ministry, okay? Um, turn with me now to Matthew 20, and I want to start verse 28, and we're close here. We have a lot more we could look at, but I think we're getting the idea tonight. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered unto. Let me ask you another question. Do you come to church to get a blessing or to be a blessing? Now, I understand there's sometimes I need a touch from God. You know what I'm saying? But what's my attitude? Is it gimme, 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 gimme every time I come to church, touch me, God, touch me, God, help me, God? Or is it how, how can I minister? Some, I want to be a blessing. Can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I encourage you? Some years ago, the Lord gave me a message entitled The Lost Art of Encouragement. We need some Barnabases, don't we? Where's the encouragers at? So good to see you today. Glad you made it back today. Yeah, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Where's the encouragers? Come on. Hey, I believe in you, man. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. One of my guys right now has been to 14, uh, 14 DUIs and 23 treatment centers. 23 treatment centers. But God is doing a work. What treatment couldn't do, he's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on. See what I'm talking about? The, the, the serving. Uh, uh, you know, he, he, see, I, so many times, help me, touch me, bless me, minister to me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered unto, but I'm going to minister to you. You're going through a tough time. God, touch him right now. Bless him. See what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, come on, I, I, my job is to minister. I want to minister to you. I want to, even if it's only just some encouraging words. But I want to minister to you because this is what a servant would do. Hey, can I help you? Maybe, maybe just an encouragement. How about somebody that could just write a simple note and, and a little card and hand it to somebody? Hey, been praying for you. Love you, man. Keep up the good work. Of course, today in the world of texting, you can text them. I've learned to do that, Bishop. Yeah. There's people I text almost on a daily basis, praying for you, believing you, love you, brother. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Why? Because I, I remember teaching in jail, and when I would look at men and say, I want you to know I believe in you, and they'd look at me and say, nobody, nobody's ever told me they believed in me. Your words are powerful, folks. You could, you could speak into somebody's life just by saying, I believe in you. I see God's really doing it with your life. He's got something powerful for your life. God's going to take you somewhere. I remember that one of our teenage girls, uh, she was in the altar, and the Lord just impressed me to go tell her, hey, I appreciate the tender spirit you have toward God. Just keep it up. She just broke and fell to the floor and just began to weep and cry. Why? Somebody recognized the calling. Somebody recognized it encouraged it folks there is no competition in the kingdom it's not about me being smarter than you and more serious than you and more spiritual than you it's about me encouraging you and being a blessing in your life because there is no competition and when we can understand that there's the freedom to minister now 
I'm not trying to get ahead of this one or around the door on this one, but I'm going to understand. I'm just going to do what God called me to do. I'll be a blessing. But to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Next verse, please. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the way when they had heard, uh, I think we may have started too far down. Maybe we could back up. Can we back up a couple of verses, brother, please? 25, is that the one? Yeah. Okay. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know not that the prince of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they are, they, that are great exercise authority upon them. Again, he's talking about uh, dealing with I'm in charge, I'm the big guy, and you're going to do what I say, and on and on. It's it's a world's attitude and spirit that he's talking about, okay? But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Because remember, the word minister means servant. If God said greatness is in ministering, why wouldn't I be praying, God help me be a servant? Why wouldn't I ask God, where can I serve? God, speak to me. Why couldn't I come to Bishop or Elder Hart? Where can I serve? What needs done? Is there anywhere I can get plugged in? I just want to be a blessing. I'm not asking for pulpit time. I'm not asking to do this. But I'm just saying, is there anything I could help you with? Maybe, maybe, could I just stop by and mow your lawn for you? Because I know you're busy and you've got a lot on your plate. But maybe I could just help out and once a week I'd stop by and mow your lawn. Or maybe I could take care of this or that because I know you're busy. Come on, little things can make a big difference in somebody's life if I understand ministry and servanthood. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Oh, I just want to serve. Just want to serve. Just want to be a blessing in the kingdom work. I don't know about you, but I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I'm going to have to be faithful to the calling or I'm not probably going to hear those words. Because many are called and few are chosen. The only reason they weren't chosen because they didn't fulfill the calling. They weren't willing to walk in servanthood. Somehow they got in their mind that, 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 that that's below me. I'm already up here. But you got to realize it's all down here. We're all going to be in this thing together. We're all going to be serving. And when I can understand that then I can surrender to whatever the will of God is for my life. I wonder if that is hindering somebody tonight that you didn't realize that maybe we got to start on the ground level. Do you realize if the Lord took you from where you at, where you were at, and put you here in this pulpit without developing this servanthood, you'd just crash and burn? See, there's things he has to teach me. See, God has to develop the man before he can develop the ministry. Is God trying to develop something in your life? In his calling on your life? I wonder tonight if we could just yield. Would you stand with me? A couple things I... If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized, 
You've never received the Holy Ghost. You need to pray about that because that's the summoning of God on your life. And somewhere you need to realize that's the first steps I've got to take. I've got to repent. If I haven't repented, then I need to do that tonight. That's his. He's calling you. Come on, you're not here just because somebody invited you. You're here because God's ordaining something into your spirit and doing something in your life. So the first thing I've got to come to that place, if I haven't done that yet, I God, I'm here to yield tonight. God, if I need to go down in the waters of baptism, then sign me up. If you're here tonight and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I would want to be in this altar tonight worshiping and praising God and asking him to fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a summons of God. He said, I want to endue you with the power that is from on high. He said, so you can fulfill the calling. Maybe you're here tonight and you've, you've been born again, but you're struggling with the calling of, of servanthood. You feel God's asking you to get involved in some type of ministry, some type of play, but you've held back and, and you've resisted God. I'm going to ask you tonight, would you stop resisting God and just surrender and say, okay, God, I give in to this. I, I give way for this in my life. You develop me. You unfold this ministry in my life. This altar is open. Is God dealing with you? I want you to, by faith, step out from where you're at and just start talking to God. Come on, what, where is God trying to take you tonight? What, what's God trying to do in your life tonight? Lord, we need you.
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Help me, Lord, to have the heart of a servant. Let it be maintained in my spirit by the working of your spirit. Amen. I couldn't help but think of Philippians 2. The scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? He made himself of no reputation. And he took on the form of a servant. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. I was reading through those scriptures again this morning. It's one thing to serve. It's another thing to make yourself of no reputation and serve. Right? Our humanity, it's easy to go, I'll serve. Let me make sure somebody sees what I'm doing. I want to get a reputation as a servant. It's not what he did. He served. He made himself of no reputation. One translation reads, never serve to impress anyone. He sought not to impress man as he served. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Brother Johnstone, uh, for sharing the word of the Lord with us this morning, or this evening. Lord, we thank you tonight. I thank you for the drawing and the calling of your spirit upon every life. I thank you, Lord, for being the ultimate example to us of a servant. Father, I pray the mind of Christ in us to serve according to your calling, according to your word, to fulfill your purpose in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for these people, so many filled with the heart of a servant. I pray your blessing, your leading, your guiding and instruction, Lord, as we walk according to your word and calling. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. Men, as a reminder, we talked about it Saturday. Uh, For those that would like, the church will be open Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning at 6.30, men. Uh, That's not an obligation. It's just an opening there. And uh, amen. We had a great time Saturday, those that could make it. Prayer and in fellowship and having a cup of coffee and talking a little while afterwards is as rich as time with him. And so uh, mark that Saturday, if nothing else. Amen. 630. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.